Hello and welcome to the Bridge City Church podcast. If you would like to get connected, you can find us on Facebook at Bridge City Church or come along to our Sunday service at 10am. We'd love to have a coffee and a chat. We hope you enjoy this week's message. See you at church. An aerosol um, propellant called 111-trichloromethane was once popular um, to be used in spray cans for household cleaners. Unfortunately, it was also toxic if it was misused. Uh, John Broder wrote in the New York Times, in the early 1980s, teenagers discovered that they could get high by spraying the cleaner into a plastic bag and then breathing the fumes. Victor E. Schwartz, a Washington lawyer, said the label on the, the cans was clearly marked that, uh, and warned that death or serious injury could happen if the propellant was inhaled. But some young people ignored it, leading to at least one death. The company wanted to make the warning label larger, but Mr. Schwartz <coughs> argued against it, saying that the teenagers would then assume that there was even more of the propellant in the product. He said, what do kids worry about more than death or injury? How they look, of course. So we wrote a warning label saying that sniffing the stuff could cause hair loss or facial disfigurement. It doesn't, but it scared the target audience and we haven't had a liability claim since. (laughs) Since then. You see, what we fear controls us. And let me just say, first up, that uh, you know, fear is a natural thing. It's a, a natural and biological condition that we all experience. It's important that we experience fear because it keeps us safe. It's, it sets in motion our survival response. Right? If you're crossing uh, the street and there's a car suddenly appears and it's coming towards you at high speed, your survival response kicks in and you immediately speed up and get out of the way. Funnily enough, some people like a bit of fear, don't they? So they ride you know, roller coasters and scary rides at the um, amusement parks. And while this short-term fear might be amusing, ongoing fear has a negative effect. When fear is experienced in our mind, it triggers a strong physical reaction in our bodies. And in the middle of our brain, there's this small organ called, and I hope I can say it right, the amygdala. And as soon as you recognise an event causing fear, it immediately alerts your nervous system to start your fear response. Stress hormones like cortisol and adrenaline are released your blood pressure and heart rates increase and you begin to breathe faster. Blood begins to flow away from your heart and into your limbs so that you're ready for the fight or flight response. If you need to run, the blood is already there to power your muscles. But it doesn't stop there. As as parts of your brain fire up in response to uh, fear, Other parts are shutting down. When the amygdala 
senses fear, the cerebral cortex, that's the area of our brain that controls reasoning and judgment, that becomes impaired. And so it's difficult to make good decisions and to think clearly. I guess we've all come across that term frozen with fear, right? And we can now see why it's difficult to make choices when when you're overcome with fear. And I haven't checked this out, but I'm guessing it it could also be responsible for panic as well. For me personally, one of the highlights of being a Christian has been peace has been peace of mind. I've always had this belief that my life is in God's hands and that he's looking after me. So there's no need to worry. Right now that might sound theoretical or maybe even naive, but there's been times when I've had to put it to the test and I've found that it's true. As many of, of you here know, Five years ago, I was in the Flinders Medical Centre with my life hanging by a thread. And as I was laying on the operating table, uh, waiting for the surgery to start, the devil began to whisper thoughts of doubt into my mind about the success of the operation. In fact, he was saying, because I was really confident, I knew that God had spoken to me and said, you know, I've put all my people around you. But he was saying, yeah, but does that mean you're going to (laughs) live through this operation? And you see, fear is a liar. It works to keep us in a state of fear so that we are controlled by it. So I told the devil and his doubts that I was certain God was looking after me and I would be well. So he could just buzz off. And he did. At the time, I thought I was alone in the operating theatre. So I was just laying there quietly waiting for the staff to return. But what I didn't know was that uh, out of my sight was an anaesthetist was watching me because he wanted to get an idea as to how much anaesthetic to pump into me. And it would depend on whether I was, um, you know, wound up, tense, or whether I was relaxed. I I later heard that he thought that it was a miracle that I'd survived the operation but also he was also surprised at how calm I was before the operation began. When we focus on God and his kindness, fear just seems to melt away. That's important because, you see, fear is in our brain. And even if it's low-level fear, our response will be impaired and, reasoning, and our reason and our judgment will be affected. If we are fearful, then our brain may begin processing information incorrectly, right? Our perception of what is happening may be incorrect. We may have an unbalanced view view in which the situation looks a lot worse than it actually is. Fear is a liar. It tells us to run away because nothing will change. It tells us we'll never be happy. Fear can tell us that God will never forgive us or that we'll never be good at anything. It's a lie. Fear sows doubt into our minds all the time. But there is hope. God's word reveals to us that when we trust what he says and put it into practice, we don't need to fear. Let's look at some Bible verses. 
Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 to 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Right? That doesn't mean switch off and have a spa day. Right? It means focus on God and his presence and his peace will guard your heart and your mind. One of my favourite sayings of Jesus is found in John 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give it to you as the world gives. Do not your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You see, Jesus is, to, is able to give, give us his peace. It's a tangible thing. He says, I don't give it to you as the world gives. You see, when the Hebrew people greeted each other, they sort of used the word peace, but they used the word shalom, and it was commonly used just to say hello and goodbye. But its true meaning was peace, harmony, wholeness, completeness, prosperity, welfare, and tranquility. So shalom was being used flippantly so often. It wasn't being used to convey its true meaning of peace. And so Jesus was saying that, you know, I'm not using this flippantly. I am saying my peace I'm giving to you. People may wish us peace, but that doesn't mean that they can impart it to us. For example, and I guess this is the example is for people my age, if you ever notice that when Ringo Starr walks on stage, the first thing he does is hold up two fingers and say, peace, right? It's his trademark action. And although he may be intending well, he can't impart peace to any of us. Only Jesus can do that. The verse above ends with the words, do not let your heart be troubled, do not be afraid. If we're fearful about the problems in our lives, such as our family or maybe our employment or our finances or our education, it can activate our body's stress response, which can sometimes leave us feeling like life's out of control. The experts say there's a simple solution. I suppose you want me to tell you what it is, don't you? <laughs> Wait for it. The solution is to calm yourself down and reduce your body's stress. As your body calms down, this feeling will, should subside. I would have thought that was obvious myself. But anyway, that's what they say. Jesus isn't telling us just to calm ourselves down. He's trying to get the message to us that when we come into his presence... His peace will permeate our being and fear will be gone. As you look through the Bible, you can find hundreds of occasions. Some say there's 365 occasions, that's once for every day, where God tells his people not to be afraid or harmful. We won't read them all, but we'll just read a few. Deuteronomy 31.8 The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Psalm 4 verse 8. In peace I lie down and sleep. For you alone, Lord, 
make me dwell in safety. Psalm 23, verse 4. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. First Peter, verse, chapter 5, verse 7. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. First John, chapter 4, verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Another saying of Jesus on this subject is found in Matthew 10, I'm going to read verses 29 to 31. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the hairs on your head, even the very hairs on your head, are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. You see, we are valuable to God. Jesus told a number of parables to make this clear. We can look at just one of them. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 46, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Now, at this present time, I don't know what a diamond would cost, but mostly we look at gold and silver as precious metals. But in Jesus' day, the most precious gem was a pearl. It was more precious than gold and silver. Merchants travelled to the Red Sea and all over the place to try and secure pearls. Jesus is comparing the kingdom of heaven to a precious pearl. And so because pearls were seen as beautiful and valuable, the people would have made the connection that the kingdom of heaven was beautiful also. So where is the kingdom of heaven? In Luke 17 verse 21 it says, When he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of heaven would come, he, that's Jesus, answered them, The kingdom of heaven does not come, sorry, the kingdom of God does not come with observation. Nor will I say here it is or there it is. For remember, the kingdom of God is within you. Now that's the New English Version. Some versions of the Bible say the kingdom of God is within us. Some versions say that it's in your midst. So looking at this, where is the kingdom of God? <clears throat> it's within you. You're the pearl of great price. Jesus has sacrificed all that he had, that is his life, so he could buy your freedom from sin, so that he could buy your freedom from fear. When you become a Christian, you become a child of God. The Holy Spirit flows into your being and fills you with a new power and a new joy. We're released from our fear because we know that um, how mighty our God is. And that he's with us. Look, I'm not saying that troubles won't come, but when they do come, you can be confident that God is with us. 
All through the Old Testament, we find occasions when the Israelite people were fearful. (laughs) But in the midst of crisis, God made a way of escape for them. Perhaps the best-known story is that of Moses leading the people of Israel out of Egypt and into the Promised Land. The people had been slaves for all their lifetimes, but now they're free and they're heading home. And all seems well until they come to the Red Sea. They come to a stop because here's an impenetrable barrier. And they're probably wondering to themselves, well, okay, what are we going to do now? But things get worse. They turn around and look behind and they see that the Egyptian army is coming after them and they know it won't go well for them (laughs) when the army arrives. The adults were no doubt fearful, not just for themselves but also for their children. You know, what would happen to them? Let's read from Exodus 14, verses 10 to 14. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there was no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. And Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. What do you see? Fear. When the people realised their situation, they were gripped with fear. Their response was to blame Moses, I guess because they saw no other solution. But God hadn't brought them all this way by accident. He had a solution. And we're going to read from verse 19, that same chapter. Then the angel of God, who had been travelling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from, the, from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. And throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to one side and light to the other side. So neither went near each other all night long. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and it turned into dry land. The waters were divided and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. You see, in their moment of fear, Moses encouraged them to focus on God. And when they did, God moved on their behalf and their fear was no doubt replaced with surprise and awe. I reckon if I was there, I would have been surprised. I would have been thinking surprise and awe. In the New Testament, we read stories of Jesus releasing people from fear. Here are three stories that immediately come to mind. 
In Matthew 8, 23 to 27, we read the story of Jesus and the disciples crossing the lake in a boat. Jesus apparently was tired from ministry and he fell asleep as they sailed along. Suddenly a furious storm blew up and the waves began to sweep over the boat. Fearing for their lives, the disciples got up, got, woke Jesus up, who got up and rebuked the wind and the waves, and the lake became completely calm. The disciples were left wondering, what kind of man is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? In Luke 7, verses 11 to 17, we read of Jesus coming to a town called Nain. As he arrived at the gate of the town, there was a funeral procession coming out. A young man had died and he was the only son of a widow. I guess his mother's future would have seemed bleak because you know, there was no Centrelink for her to go to for support. Her only means of support in her old age was his son. But now he was dead. I expect she was fearful concerning her future. But verse 13 tells us that when Jesus saw her heart, saw her, his heart was filled with pity for her and he said, don't cry. He walked over to the coffin and said to the dead man, young man, I say to you, get up. Then the young man sat up and began to talk and Jesus gave him back to his mother. In Mark 5 verses 32 to 34, we read of a woman who had been bleeding for 12 years this would have made her ceremonially unclean and she wouldn't have been allowed to touch other people she would have been an outcast doesn't say that but read between the lines and that's how she would have been nevertheless she sneaks into the crowd and touches the hem of Jesus garment believing that she will be healed and she is healed but then is embarrassed when she discovers that Jesus knows that someone has been healed. But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, and told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. So this woman had a fear that I'm busted, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be here, but I'm here and now they know it. In each of these cases, Jesus took their fear away. Jesus has a solution for the fear that you might be experiencing in your life. We're no longer slaves to fear. We are God's children and we've been, uh, and we can see from the Bible readings that we've looked at today that God always makes a way for his people when there seems to be no way. He can make a way for you through your troubles even when it seems to you that there is no way. Jesus is waiting to touch you today and take your fears away. God's grace towards us never changes. So the things you read in the Bible are still valid for today. Bring your fears and lay them at Jesus' feet 
and he will bring a new peace in your life. It's one of the benefits of being part of God's family. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you that you are an awesome God who loves us and cares for us. But Lord, one of the benefits here is that you just want to give us peace. Peace is part of your very nature. You want us to have peace. So Lord, we just pray that your fire would fall on each of us and cast out our fears now. Lord, that your, um, your very presence would be on each person here, that any fear that's in our life would be cast out now because your fire of your peace is upon us. Lord, I just thank you for this. I thank you that you're working in the lives of the people here and those who are watching online. And Father, we just thank you that you always hear our prayers. So Lord, I pray your blessing on each person here as we go out for this day and each day. And Lord, I pray this now in Jesus' mighty and awesome name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed today's podcast, make sure you subscribe to stay up to date with all our latest sermons. If you would like to get connected, you can find us on Facebook at Bridge City Church. Or come along to our Sunday service at 10am. 